Hey everyone, guess what? It is an amazingly special new episode of the Geek Roulette Podcast. For the first time in maybe about two plus years, we are recording in the same room, so I can't complain about John's janky internet anymore. That's right, if there's shitty internet today, it's your own damn fault. It's your own fault. It probably is, it probably just follows me around like a cloud. Stop living in the boondocks. It's good times down there, though. I don't have to worry about a lot of crazy crap like you you darn city folk have to worry about. What are you talking about? It's probably ten times easier to get meth in your city than it is mine. And that's a bad thing? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it depends on how you want to look at it. I hate to tell you, but if you ever watch Breaking Bad, it did not have a happy ending. Yeah, you've got a point there. That was not a happy show. Unless that was your form of a version of a happy ending. If that's the case, you're a messed up person. And Yeah, you've, you've got to like get some help or something because, yeah, bad news. Hey, so Geek Relive Podcast, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spragle. I am still the other host, John Lundquist. Believe it or not, folks, we still exist. We have not gone away or fallen into the, the aether. Nobody, the nobody's ever even cared if we still exist anymore. We could disappear and people would just go on with their lives. They don't care if we put this out or not. Why, I, why do you people hate us? Uh, there's a variety of reasons. I think they just tolerate us, maybe, if that even, really. Nah, I wouldn't even say tolerate. Pity listen? Yeah, probably. They're, God, these guys are so damn needy. I just, I, I, I guess I'll listen to it, you know, I mean, or, or they do what I do and they just download the podcast, but then don't listen to it and just delete it to, you know, keep our numbers up, you know, so, you know, maybe that's it. Mm, so you're saying we only have one listener then? Yeah. Because I listen to our own podcast. And we know, well, we know Matt's out there. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I just saw you earlier today. Have a good day. It seems like an unnecessary plug there. It does. Yeah, kind of random. But, you know, that's what we do here. We do random, unnecessary things. Yeah, well, hey, this episode, we're just going to have an arbitrary episode where we're going to talk about what we has been going on in our lives since, like, our last episode, which was beginning of November, I think. Is that when it was? Holy crap. Yeah, holy crap, indeed. That's a long time ago. Yes, it is. So, like, the holidays have happened. Um, not much. I mean, it's it's odd because, like... Not much has happened, but so it would mean you would think we would be able to record something in the past like two and a half months. But let but me no. let me correct this: nothing's happened to John. Maybe things happen to me. May I don't know. May, I assume that John ceases to exist when I don't talk to him. Pretty much. I mean, that's kind of what happens as soon as like we sign off the podcast, or like when I walk out your front door here, like I kind of just evaporate into a pool of nothingness. That uh. That's just like some bad X-Files episode right there. I don't, I don't really like that. I am a figment of your imagination that only exists when I am God, here. I'm so you lame know. for having the worst figment of my imagination <laughs> possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody said you had the best imagination. Mm, I don't know. My mom says I do. Uh, you know. What does she know? Not much. Hey, so anyhow, housekeeping. We still have social media pages on Facebook and Twitter and Sometimes we post things on there, and on top of that, just review us. Just just sit there and just dagger us with a whole bunch of one star or I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, usually it's like, you know, hey, give us five-star reviews. It'll help us. Like, I mean, whatever. I mean, just, you know, we're, we're needy enough that we're like, just, you know, we're good with one star. It's okay. Just I want to hear things like, you know, third-world nations wouldn't use this podcast to drive, like, political prisoners insane. Yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff we need, people. Just, you know. Let us know you're there. At least if we get the one-star reviews, we know someone is out there listening. Maybe. Yeah, great time. Yes. You really want them over there. <laughs> this is the quality you have been missing for the past two and a half months, everybody. Oh yeah. I don't think you know what that word quality means. It could mean a various things if I could talk right, which apparently is something I've forgotten to do in the past two and a half months. We're just going to keep referencing two and a half months because... I don't know. So, so yeah. Isn't it two and a half months like the sequel sequel to like 20 day, 28 days and 28 weeks later? Yeah, probably something like that. Two and a half months later. It's like the sequel to, I don't know, 28 days later, I suppose, because 28 months later would be after that. So I sure hope Sandra Bullock made it out of rehab. Maybe. We'll see. That's a horrible reference there. <laughs> There's like one person out there who's like, that was a movie. I saw that movie. It was great. Mm. Yeah. So what have you been up to? How have you been, sir? Well, nah, I've been okay, but we don't do that yet. We don't? No, we got to do like recommendations and we have like a format and stuff here. An arbitrary list. Damn it. Some of us are consummate professionals. I'll tell you who isn't. You. 
I mean, I, I would argue that neither one of us are very concerned. I'm just going to turn off your microphone right now. God damn it. Hey, so we're going to do recommendations unless John's going to phone it in, which normally he does from long distances. Now he's doing it in person. Sometimes. I actually have a couple of recommendations this time, So you know, which is good because we're doing two episodes. Hooray oh. for us. Oh, you destroyed the magic. What a monster you are. Yes, indeed. All right. What's your first recommendation there? My first recommendation, I'm actually like 15 minutes away from finishing the entire thing. It's a podcast called Gundog, which is written by Gary Whitta, which you might know from uh, Rogue One fame. I don't, did he write, do anything with Andor? I can't remember if he's on the Andor case, if he did any of the writing for Andor or not. But I don't know. If there's only like a internet resource database, a Wikipedia page, if, if you will. only. Would. But regardless, I'm too lazy to do that right now, and nope. I wouldn't do that in the middle of a recommendation anyway. So, yep. But he did write... Rogue One, which is a great movie, and he wrote this, Gundog. It is, basically, it's a, it's a podcast, but it's essentially an audiobook in nine parts that you can download, presumably, wherever you can get podcasts. Um, the same place you can get this one? Exactly. Or is it in a better place? Like, it's not like the crime alley of podcasts where, like, Batman's parents get killed. Yeah, no, we're in, like, the Goodwill section of podcasts, so this is probably more like in the the Target section of podcasts or something like that. Oh, wait, they, now you're, like, dissing Target as if that's low quality. No, we're we're the Goodwill. This is this is the the Gundog would be in Target, or maybe they'd be in like Bloomingdale's. I don't know. Either way, who shops at Bloomingdale's still? I don't know. Some people do. It's at the Mall of America still, isn't it? Who or, goes to the Mall of America still? I was there this weekend. It's great. It was exactly the same as the last time I was there. If you've been I, to the Mall of America, people, it probably hasn't changed in the last. You 10 don't years. even need to go to the Mall of America more than once. You go once, and that should be enough to fill up your hate tank. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's lots of people there. The parking kind of sucks unless you know where to go. And But I digress. You had a you know, podcast you wanted to talk about. I did. This is an arbitrary episode, though, so we can just drag this recommendation list on for, like, you know, the next hour and a half, and it can just, that's the episode, is just one long recommendation for a podcast that I never actually tell you what it's about. Um, but anyway, the podcast is about, see, here we go, people, tension. Oh, Jesus Christ, get to it. All right, John's recommendation is done. He's wasted all of his recommendation time. Yes, I got to do this more often. All right, John was recommending a podcast. It's probably pretty good. He keeps talking about gun dogs and Sears gun dog, gun and dog, gun dog. And oh, like no Target. In it. But yes, alien, mechanical aliens come down, conquer the world. Bad things happen, um, and it's pretty decent. And it's free, so, you know, what do you want? Gun dog, go get it. <laughs> taking submissions for new co-hosts i mean matt's out there matt when why don't you come in here <laughs> he could probably do it in person every week even because he's he's here in town yeah unlike, probably unlike me mm -hmm. he could probably be here in like you know half hour or so that, there you go uh my recommendation it's uh kind of an old recommendation in the sense that it's been something that's been out for a couple of decades but Sometimes I've been I've been trying to go through like my old like uh, you know audio files of like CDs I've you know stored onto hard drives and one that I came across and it's actually always been a very well done album and I think one thing I like is I like live albums sometimes because it has an energy or something to it that sometimes certain recordings you can't get like as an example Iron Maiden. I don't really like Iron Maiden's live albums as much as I or uh, normal albums as much as like I like their live albums. I think their live albums yeah. do a better job of capturing them. But it's not Iron Maiden. It's actually a Bowie at the Beeb, which is about a multi CD set. Or hey, you can go on to online you know stores and find it too. And it's essentially BBC recordings of David Bowie in the late from the late sixties, early seventies, and. It's an interesting way of capturing some of his greatest hits, but, you know, in a lot more of a session-type environment for the most part. And uh, it, it's good. It holds up very well, I feel. And there's, as I said, just an odd quaintness to it. I could listen to it in the background, and it's just a nice, casual thing to, you know, just read to. So, Bowie at the Beeb. Nice. Gundog. Gundog. Beeb. Bowie. Stuff. All right. Arbitrary list. So we'll get more into this when I uh, when we go into the arbitrary or into this arbitrary episode. But for the list, it is the top three worst injuries that we have each had. Yes, indeed. I, as always, I don't get hurt much. Like, believe it or not, like some of the ones I've had are pretty good. Like, my number one's a pretty nasty one. 
Um, but like, I've never broken a bone. I've never, you know, I mean, I've never had stitches with the exception of when I had my appendix taken out, but that's not really an injury. That's surgery. So that's, you know, a whole different thing. Um, but yes, I, would you like me to start with one of them? Sure, you can start with one. I do have a couple of nasty scars, like going across my left index finger. That one starts kind of in the, it starts basically in the bottom corner of my fingernail and wraps pretty much three-fourths of the way all the way around. Like, just looking at the scar itself, you would think I pretty much cut my finger off, but it's actually like two nasty scars combined into one, so it's like one super mega scar. Um, I'm pretty sure one of them was from when I was chopping bacon one time. I remember getting that nasty one. Basically, most of my cutting scars when I get them at work, as you know, if you remember, folks, I work in kitchens or used to work in kitchens. Um, where when I was trying to go to like, I'd get busy and I'd be going too fast and you're chopping something up and the knife slips and oops, there goes a big chunk of your finger or something like that. Um, so one of them I distinctly remember was from cutting up a bunch of bacon for something. We were getting our butts kicked and like I said, just slipped and there was a nasty gash there. Um, and the other one I think that joined it, I'm pretty sure is from, uh, those big industrial, th- did you have like the big f- rolls of foil at like White Castle when you were there? Did you use those for at all? No. We, they're pretty common in restaurants, and they used to have these nasty, jagged, freaking cutter edges on them that, you know, like, nowadays you're wondering, like, how the hell did this ever get approved by, like, you know, anybody? And it was sitting on top of something that fell, and obviously, you know, like, you know, most people, when things fall, you try and catch it to stop from falling. But when those things have nasty, jagged edges, that's not a good idea. So, um, yeah, that added on to, it was, I don't know if that was before or after the bacon one, but those two make one nice, nasty little scar going across my entire index finger on my left hand. So You heard it here first, you know. people. He's too incompetent to prepare bacon, and yes. he has no self-preservation skills. Butterfingers. Who so. still uses that phrase? Butterfingers? I don't know, like Nestle or whoever makes those candy bars? Who still eats those things? I do once in a while for like nostalgia purposes because they used to be my favorite candy bar when I was a kid. But now, like I'll you know, and I'll get them every now and then now and be like, mm, Butterfinger, and then I'm like, ooh, wow, I like my teeth. I think the last time, I think the only time of the year I ever eat Butterfingers is like Halloween if it somehow comes home in my kids' candy hall. Otherwise, I don't think there's ever a time I sit there and like search out Butterfingers. No, I think they're in their best form. I think is the one that I've heard a few people lament that you can't get anymore is the Butterfinger BBs because they were nice little round balls of Butterfinger covered in chocolate. So it wasn't like that inch thick of just Butterfinger. I don't know what you'd call that stuff. Crunchy, whatever the heck it is. Toffee. Kind of. It's not even toffee. I don't know. Whatever. I think Butterfingers are toffee. Are they technically toffee? I think so. It's not good. It's like super sweet toffee then because toffee I like. Like I'll go get a Heath bar. Heath bar is damn good. Or like in those fancy candy stores where you can get the nice toffee with the dark chocolate on That's some good shit. But Butterfingers, yeah, maybe I suppose a takeoff from toffee, but it's just, yeah, there's too much of it there. Can't prepare bacon. Can't preserve his life. Nope. Likes outdated candy phrases. Yes. Uh, when I was uh, eight years old, I went to a birthday party. It was this park in St. Paul, and there was a water fountain. I was thirsty. Because I just ate two hot dogs, and that would make anybody thirsty. So I uh, I was running to the water fountain, and next thing you know, I'm flying through the air because... Superman picked you up? No, no, no. He he didn't. Instead, uh, I was you? I was sideswiped because apparently the water fountain was on the other side of a bike path. Ah. And apparently, I was, uh, being eight years old, not smart enough to say, maybe I should check both ways before crossing this bike path. I mean, eight-year-olds are notoriously stupid. Oh, eight-year-olds, dumb as hell. Oh, so stupid. So I I ricocheted. I'm sure my head Rick pounded off the pavement, too. And the problem was is my parents weren't there. That was back then with, like, birthday parties. Just (laughs) throw kids at a party. We don't need any chaperones. Get out of the house. Like, it's amazing I wasn't abducted and, you know, found, like, you know, my skeletal remains, like, in a trunk of a car in the bottom of a, you know, river around here. But anyhow, uh, they brought me home or they then realized, oh, my parents aren't home because they dropped me off at a party and they were doing parent things i assume they were basically throwing rocks at a car off a bridge overpass but they might have been selling meth they could have been but so they had to go to my neighbor's house my neighbors like finally found a way to get hold of my parents because there wasn't cell phones back in those days so my parents come home and they had to have a doctor come out take a look at me and everything and i puked up both my hot dogs and (laughs) that was the capper of the story right there but 
the doctor's like, you know, you're kind of lucky because, you know, you didn't don't have a fractured skull. I find that to be a very dubious assessment for the sheer fact alone that this was an in-home evaluation when they had a doctor come out to our house. So it's not like he had the equipment necessary to make that scientific. <laughs> feeling your skull. He's like, ah. I don't feel anything moving around there. What what is it? Phrenology, where he like he's like interpreting the bumps in my head. I'm like, mm, nope, you're gonna be a rather sinister kid. But no, it doesn't look like you have any fractures. But who knows? That that could have been the start of where a lot of my emotional and mental issues started. Was basically two hot dogs, a water fountain, and a bike. That could be the moral of the story. Everybody, don't eat two hot dogs unless you have like something to drink with you right at hand. No, no, no. They probably weren't even good hot dogs. I don't know. I mean, you got to, I actually, you know what? I it was a like, what would it have been? It would have been 83, 84. So I'm sure the amount of nitrates and like things yeah. in that hot dog, there, there wasn't food inspectors looking at hot dogs back then. So now hot dogs now, are you like a regular, like old school, like traditional hot dog person? Or are you like a skin, natural casing type person? Now? I just avoid hot dogs. I figure if what I could hell? have a hot dog, why wouldn't I just go a step further and have a bratwurst? I mean, I agree. Bratwurst are far superior. Right. But every now and then a hot dog is pretty dang good. Well, you slum it with your meat there, okay? Oh, I slum it with my meat all the time. <laughs> mm. Well, this is why I'm glad you're usually at a distance. <laughs> yes. Slum it with your meat down there. Okay, well, what's your next injury? Does it involve slumming with meat? It does not have anything to do with meat, I don't think, at least. I don't know, maybe, unless somebody threw a hot dog at me or something and while this happened. Possibly. You never know. That sentence went nowhere. It didn't, actually. No. Much like this story probably won't. Yeah. Anyway, so out in Taylor's Falls, I don't know if you ever... Did you ever go out to the Wild Mountain out there in the Alpine Slide? No, I don't care for things like that. You could say, hey, Mike, have you ever been outside of the Twin Cities metro area? And it's usually against my will. Yes. Well, and this, I generally don't care for rides much, and maybe this story is why. So the Alpine Slide, for those that don't know, is this, it's this big, like in the wintertime, it's like a traditional, you know, like you go skiing, you do whatever. They probably have tubing there, I'm guessing. Lame, lame, um, lame. But in order to, you know, I'm sure diversify and be able to make money all year round during the summertime and whatever, they had Alpine Slides, which were basically concrete chutes that had these plastic sleds with wheels on them. And they thought, hey, it'd be great if we could put kids on these things and send them down the hill at, you know, rapid speeds. It was amazing. So it was basically this little sled that you would sit in. It had a handle in the middle that you could, I think, you know, you pushed forward to go faster or something and backwards to go slower. I don't know, whatever it was. You know, and you'd go hurtling down this thing. There were curves. It was really fairly tame. And there was one part where there was a fairly, you know, not steep. You know, I say, I use the word steep, but, you know, realistically, it probably wasn't that bad. And, it, you know, there's a little sign to say, slow down, you know. And, of course, I'm a reckless kid. So I'm like, eh, whatever, who cares? So I go down this hill, and as soon as I get down at the bottom, I'm like, I, there must have been a curve or something. I just went flying off this thing. My little plastic sled went flying off. I went, you know, just who knows where. Um, obviously very traumatic. I didn't, like, break anything, but I'm sure I got scuffed up a bit. Um, but it's just one of those things I remember, like, oh, shit, that wasn't good. That probably should have happened. Got back on it, and who knows. And like I said, maybe to this day, like, I'm, I've never really been a big fan of, like, roller coasters or anything like that. Part of it now is because I'm just, you know, tall and fat, so I just don't fit on them anymore. And I've been tall for a while, and the fat's a more recent thing, but, you know, but maybe that's just, like, hey, my brain's like, remember that time you wiped out when you were a stupid kid? Yeah, don't go on those sorts of things anymore. To be fair, though, when we were younger, I mean... Every children's ride was essentially one step away from death. You could go to like a park and it's like, hey, you want to take the oil drum ride down the jagged rocky hill? I'm like, okay. And, you know, hey, by the way, your vertebrae have been knocked out of alignment several times. Like, hmm, can't seem to figure this out. Doctor? He's like, no fractures here. I just looked at you. And it's like, oh. Well, see that? I got a clean bill of health then. Yeah, those, like, nowadays, like, playgrounds are all made out of plastic and, you know, like, that chrome metal or whatever that's the plastic coating on it. Back in our day, they were made of, like, wood, metal slides, those death merry-go-rounds that, you know, if you were lucky, you if, if you stayed on them, you'd, you'd puke up your lunch or something from going around too fast. Yeah, there, there was no regard for our safety as children. No, none. But, you know, we made it, so, hey, hooray for us. Here's hoping. So my second story also involves a bike because apparently for a while bikes were the bane of my existence. So when I was 17 or 18, no, I hadn't graduated high school yet. I was 17. I was working uh, at a fast food restaurant and I used to ride my bike to and from there. And it was about a three mile ride. And 
there was this one part where I would ride the bike and I would just coast because it was down on a hill. It's down like on Southview Avenue, John, right past those apartments, right past where you get the bridge to 52. Yep, the little dip and then it goes back up. Yeah, so it goes right there and I was driving down that around 1030 at night because there was no, you know, hey, you're you know, 17, cool, you can work late. We don't care about laws <laughs> or things like that. So I'm riding a bike, and what I didn't see was there was a giant rock in the road and hit my wheel. It turned the wheel sideways, and I decided to Superman fly over the handlebars, and I skidded for several feet. And that's how I got, like, this scar right here, and nice. I had to pick a bunch of gravel out. My hit the ground so hard, I bent the entire bike frame beyond belief. The fact that I didn't have any broken bones, although I didn't have a doctor look at it on site to <laughs> Determine you didn't like, feel your arm or your legs or anything. But I was basically like, holy shit, what happened here? And my only saving grace, which in retrospect is, of course, how you desperate one can get, there's a guy walking his dog at those apartments, and he saw me. He's like, oh, my God, you okay? I'm like, I think so, but, uh, yeah, I'm kind of bleeding here. And he was cool enough to get his car, and he gave me a ride home, which really, again, this could have also ended in the trunk of a car with you know my <laughs> skeletal remains being found. Where did Mike go after he left work that one day? I don't yeah. know. Must have ran off. There never was a Mike. <laughs> so I get home. My mom sees like me, and all, there's all this dirt and gravel in the wound. I had to get that all cleaned out and gauze up my arms. And this was like in the days before Neosporin, too. So who knows? Like you know, I could have probably caught anything in those. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I after that moment, I didn't ride a bike for about twenty years until after that. Damn, because my bike was mangled and I just never got around to buying a new bike. And then I'm like, I'm gonna get a bike. I'm like, oh, I can ride a bike. It's just like riding a bike. It's like riding a bike. Wait and, a minute. And then just had like flashbacks of like, how am I gonna hurt myself with this? <laughs> Quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So that, that's injury number two. Nice. Good job. All right, my last one is kind of a nasty one. It's it's another restaurant one. Restaurants are dangerous places, people, especially kitchens. Be careful back there. There's sharp shit. There's hot shit. There's slippery shit. There's just shit everywhere. Pain and suffering is what yes. brings you your food out there. Exactly. Sometimes everybody. it's not all like rainforests or like nope. stupid like you know Forrest Gump saying. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's just pure suffering. That's how the world like, right. runs. Life is like a box of chocolates, and sometimes that chocolate is just pure shit because that's just the way it is sometimes. Um, so anyway, at uh, Bubba Gump one time, speaking of which, we had our saute station was kind of like it was at the end of the kitchen line, but there was still, instead of it like being up against the wall, there was kind of a little walkway like that was maybe, you know, a couple to three feet wide or something like that that you could go from our prep area that went past the line, the expo line, then over kind of by the dish area. And then the end of the line, you know, right next to the end of it there, there was a, a big pot where the cooks would put, like, their saute pans. Like, they'd get done making something, they'd throw it in the pan there, and then, you know, periodically a dishwasher would come over and grab it, wash the pots, you know, the saute pans out, bring them back, rinse and repeat. So I'm walking over there, and I see there's a little saute pan on the floor because somebody, you know, went to throw it in the pot and must have missed, and it's sitting in the middle of the walkway. So I'm like, I'll pick this up and get it out of the way so that nobody trips on it and injures themselves. Oh, silly me, because as soon as I picked that thing up, it was as hot as, like, the surface of the sun, and oh my freaking God. So I dropped the damn thing right away, but it was too late, and I ended up with, like, just, like, my entire left hand was just, like, one giant blister, basically. I think, like, the palm of it, a couple of the fingers, it was just, it was a nasty, just gross big blister. Um, and, and, you know, to speak to the whole, you know, your food at restaurants is brought to you by people pain and suffering. I still stayed and finished out the day. Um, wrapped it up, put a bunch of burn cream on it. I basically called one of our friends who's, you know, she's a pediatrician, but still a doctor. I called her and I was like, hey, this is what happened. This is what I did with it. I was like, if I go to the, the emergency room, I'm like, are they going to do anything? And she was like, no, they're probably just going to prescribe you some of this, but you can get an over-the-counter version. Just go get some of that. Don't pop the blisters. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's kind of what I thought. Thanks. Um and yeah, so luckily, like I said, it was my left hand because I'm a righty. So if it had been my right hand, that would have made for a fun next couple of weeks. But um, but yeah, it was it was a good time. My hand was one big day. I've got a picture of it somewhere, I think, but it's it's not pretty. Well, I've got a picture of it wrapped up. I think I don't I don't have a picture of all the gross blisters. But yeah, that would even been weirder. Like you're just taking a bunch of pictures of your hand. <laughs> yeah, weirdo. 
My last story involves trying to ride a bike over the Grand Canyon. Uh, I was trying to break Evil Knievel's jump record, and no, no, sorry. That's, but, next, that's next week. That was the brain damage from the hot dog incident. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, this one does not involve a bike. It also does involve me being eight years old, though, because apparently I was the most accident-prone eight-year-old in the world. Um, we had a cement bird feeder, and this cement bird feeder at one point broke down the middle, and... I was playing catch with one of the neighbor kids, and the ball went under the cement bird feeder. So I went to go get the ball. There was a sharp part that tore open my arm. Um, I run inside, exclaiming to my mother, Mother, my arm, it's cut, it's bleeding. And she thinks, oh, it's something minor, until she basically sees like this giant gaping hole in my arm. She goes, oh, my God. So I went there you know, to the doctor and took in about 18 stitches. And they're like, yeah, you were... Maybe like microbes away from like cutting major arteries and hey, life threatening stuff. I'm like, thanks, doctor. I'm only an eight year old kid. I can easily understand him, you know, process this type of information about my own mortality. And he's like, hmm, you seem a little addled. He felt my skull. I'm like, nope, no cracks. And I'm like, thanks, doc. Yeah. Do you still have that scar? I remember, I remember that scar from, yep, there it is. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I remember that scar from when we were younger, but sometimes those things go away. But no, this is, this is a scar. That will stay much like many of my emotional scars. It'll be how they identify your corpse. Mm-hmm. In the trunk of a car. Yes. <laughs> a lot of callbacks to this episode. Apparently, that's what we're doing here today, people. All right. We can get to the arbitrary part. Hey, like a few, like about at least three, four weeks back, it was like the week before Christmas, I had the flu. Nice. How'd that work out for you? About the flu. It sucked. Yeah, it was one of those situations where I just like woke up and like uh, what really masked it was this. So I uh, went to uh, essentially I went to go see a comedy show. I went to go see Dan Cummings. And, what was that by the way? Uh, it was great. It was it was great. We were that like was one of the, they recorded for recording, right? Uh, it was the night before they recorded, so I'm not that special. But I was second row though, so I was pretty special. Nice. Anyway. We're, Right, so I'm sitting there, you know, and I get done with that. And it was kind of a snowy, cold night. And the following night, I had to work an overnight for work because our normal overnight person was on vacation, and I bravely volunteered. So I worked, and I felt like crap. A part of me is like the mental part is like, oh, it's probably because you're working overnight. But as the morning came, it's like maybe I have a cold from all the cold weather outside and having to walk out. And went from that to, like, later later in that following day, like, nope, I got a fever. And I spent about two to three days packing about a 102-103 fever. And Damn. I, uh, I hit the extent of how much I could possibly stream. I got completely bored with streaming. <laughs> but, like, by day, like, two, I went to the doctor. And I'm like, hey, not feeling good. It might be a flu or something. I took a COVID test. It wasn't that. They gave me the flu test. Like, yeah, it's the flu, but... From the way it sounds, you've had it too long where we're trying to ration, like, uh, whatever, the Theraflu or whatever they're used, like, now for, you know, treating it. And we save that for the elderly and the young. And I'm like, hmm, I am neither of those as I am middle-aged. So that's very unfortunate. So they're like, they're just like, you just uh, drink liquids, ride it out. I'm like, hmm, thanks, Doc. Good thing my insurance paid for this prognosis. I could have just stayed (laughs) home. Yeah, there was that nasty boat I remember for a while there where, like, everybody was coming down with something. I missed it, luckily. A couple, I forget who all of them, a couple, few people in my house got it, but it was, there was a good, you know, several people at work I got it. I know, like, a bunch of the supervisors at work got taken out by it, but it was, yeah, not COVID, but just a nasty flu. And I remember when one of the kids got it, I forget, they were basically like, yeah, this is going around. There's not a whole lot you can do for it. They just got to, like you said, just... Write it out. They're like, if it gets really bad, come back in. But it's kind of, there isn't really a whole lot for it. Tell you what, when you're almost a corpse, then we'll probably take it more seriously. <laughs> then we'll then we'll have things for you. But until then, yeah, have fun. Just deal with it. It's not COVID, so, you know, whatever. Well, I, I was out of work that week, and I think near the end of that week, I was good enough, you know, or not good enough, sorry, duh, not grammar enough. I was well enough where uh, we had purchased like a month, couple months before tickets to go see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra at the Excel Center. So we went to see that, and I was on the mend for that. Have you ever seen the Trans-Siberian Orchestra? I have not. I've heard it's a good show, but I've never been myself. I'm going to say this. It's not a bad show. 
it is probably a good show. It felt like a very overpolished show where you feel that it's been so rehearsed and so perfected. Like there is zero ounces of spontaneity in it. Everything is so meticulous and planned out. Like even when you can tell there's something that's supposed to be a surprise, it's like it's not a surprise. You guys (laughs) planned the surprise and they did an encore yeah. too, and I like, mean, you figure they've probably been doing that for going. It's got to be going on twenty years, you know. That's that's basically like, hey guys, we're gonna do this exact same show for two and a half months, maybe out of the year, maybe three, and then we're just gonna sit on our asses the other nine months. So, yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me too much. That's just basically, you know, a final finished polished product, and this is what you get. And yeah, this goes back to the inverse of what I said earlier, where I like live shows because there's a raw energy to it. Everything here felt like so polished to the point where it's like, all right, I could have just listened to a CD, probably got the entire exact same experience. And sure, there was some lights and pyrotechnics and everything, but I don't know. It was one of those things that I. I, as I said, I don't think I hate. I think maybe I didn't enjoy as much because I was in the like back end of just recovery at that point, where yeah. it's like, all right, I'm starting to feel better. And... Well, it seems to me like it's one of those things like, go and do it once. It's cool. You'll probably have a good time. Don't ever need to do it a second time. No, no. It's kind of like getting sideswiped by a bike by trying to go to a water fountain. You just do yeah. it once, and that's really your limit there. Yeah, you're good. You don't need to do it again. So, yeah. So what's your thoughts? So this last couple, like to be to be more trendy, or not even I don't know, trendy's not the word. More more current. The oh, whole you get a TikTok this shit, man. I, fuck no TikTok. I don't want like people, you know, the Chinese government spying on me. Screw that noise. No, only the good old American government. Yes. I Let's just, go down some weird rabbit holes now. I just prefer them to watch me on Facebook and all that fun stuff. Go check our social media posts, everybody. Oh yeah. NSA approved. Yes, very much so. Um, no, the whole Dungeons and Dragon with their open source thing. What's your What's your take? I suppose we should probably give people, you know, in the far distant future that don't know what the hell we're talking about, um, a moderate background. So D and D, basically, I don't know. I'm probably going to screw this up a little bit, but um, a lot of streamers basically have kind of or didn't take to like they basically D and D let them use their product to kind of make content is that am i getting that right essentially it's a combination of things where either there's like outlets using their content and there's others that manufactured content using existing license for D as well using like concepts yeah. so like if i were to go on to like roll 20 you could find like adventures or maps that people have created it's all built within the D framework but yes. it's Still using various properties yeah, and stuff like that. And I think like even I think it doesn't come down to like the the podcast too, like the the actual play podcast, like Critical yeah. Role and some of those. Um basically D D's kind of let all this stuff happen for I kind of like how for a long time, and I don't know if that's still the case, like Lucasfilm would let people basically make whatever Star Wars stuff you wanted, as long as you weren't like profiting on it. You could make fan films, you could do art. You know, and I'm sure even the art stuff, like if you made prints, like they kind of looked the other way as long as you weren't going crazy with it. You know, it was kind of something similar to that where D&D was like, you know, hey, we're getting free promotion out of this, which you argue, can't argue, I mean, it has to have worked. I mean, D&D is arguably now more popular than it's ever been. I mean, right behind you, there's like eight books up on top of your shelf up there from it, from the current, you know, edition. Another, yeah, and another couple right there. Um so, I mean, arguably, it had been working fairly well for them. You know, I mean, people were talking about it. People were playing it. People were enjoying it. You know, I mean, Critical Role is this, you know, huge thing where they've got, you know, the, you, I think it's what, it's a YouTube show, isn't it? Or a podcast or maybe both. I don't know. I've never really. It's both. Yeah. Twitch stream, um, actually. Yeah. So, it's it's all this stuff. It's this great big popular thing. And then suddenly it got leaked that they were going to update their contract or something that that was in or their license that that was under. And basically take all that away, which would mean, like, you know, Roll20 would basically mean that would they're out of business because, you know, the vast majority of the stuff on there is, you know, D&D-based and all these other little things. And so people just got super pissed off. Well, that's part of it. And, I mean, it's not like everybody goes out of business. Part of it is is they maybe put in some financial regulation if people are profiting from it, which I think is... It's a kind of a different, you know, thing than saying, "Hey, we're putting you out of business." It's more saying, "Hey, if you're making money on it, here's what we require if you're going to make money on it." Yeah, and there's this whole just the internet just almost exploded, or at least the nerd half of the internet, cuz I'm sure most people don't really give a shit. Um 
you know, because they were doing this whole thing, and then all of a sudden, uh, is it Paizo? Are they the ones that do Pathfinder? Yeah. You know, they came out basically saying, you know, hey, we're going to make our own license so you can use our products. You know, basically kind of like, you know, hey, D&D, screw it, you come use our product. Um, and basically, you know, the, the geeky sections of the internet were kind of on fire with this for, I don't know, a good couple of weeks there, because Wizards of the Coast, who own, you know, the Dungeons & Dragons license and all that, you know, who are in turn owned by Hasbro, didn't really come out and say anything until this had been going on for the better part of a week, I think. And didn't really do a whole lot to kind of diffuse the situation. They, You know, they didn't really deny it, like, hey, this isn't happening. They are basically like, yeah, that thing that got leaked, we're still working on it, you know, like, but didn't really say, like, we're not going to go through with it or, you know, or, hey, this is a work in, pr- it, I don't know, it was kind of a weird... Um, just way of coming out to try and diffuse the situation, but not really diffuse it at all. Um, I'm not sure where did things end up settling this last, like I haven't heard anything about it in the last few days. So they had like a one point to, they said that, Hey, we're not based on feedback. We don't want to do, you know, something that's going to upset our fans. We want this, we want that. And it, for now they're not changing anything. They are changing some things in their open gaming license, but Took out most of the needly prickly pieces that people didn't like. Yeah, I don't know. It was just it was kind of an interesting thing to see where I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this about this. As someone who loves D and D, I don't give a shit about this. And I know some people are gonna like, well you should because they're like taking money out I'm like, Well, let's stop a second here, all right? We're gonna stop and say that the reason why people are mad is like everybody's a like wizards of the coast and Hasbro. And they're doing like, dude, these guys have owned this for a while. All right. These guys before them, it was other companies that own this. And you have to understand it's, it's their product. It's their, it's their material. And I think part of the problem is it's kind of like, it's kind of like how the music industry got really pissed about the internet. And in the early days, because it's like, hey, people are finding ways to steal our music or using our music in ways we don't agree with. But the problem was, is the Internet was such a raw, vast thing that nobody fully understood its potential and what you could do with it, that they got all mad about it without realizing that they could use the Internet for their own means. And eventually the record companies realized that, like, oh, we can do this with, like, streaming and all this stuff and online music sales. We could. They realized we can just legitimize this and... People at first got mad about it, you know, like, oh, man, I don't want to buy CDs from, like, record corporations. Why? They're the ones paying your artist salaries and everything, you know. You're using, like, LimeWire, Napster, and all this other stuff to download things. Now, I'm not saying that what these people are doing is stealing, you know, D&D, but they're profiting from it. They are using it, like, you know, just already licensed sources and materials and content for their own personal need and for their own financial gain. So getting mad at Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, I'm going to say this about D&D, is that it's probably, in my opinion, one of the top top three like toxic like fan bases of all time. It's one of those things that when you find the right people, Dungeons and Dragons is amazing. But there are also so many like gatekeepery, like old school, like this is how I do it, or even that. Like, the whole weird elitist thing, like, I only play version 3.5, I only play 2.0, I only play 1, I only play this. It's such a weird fan base itself in the sense that everybody wants to be an OG and, like, oh, we did this and we suffered for your nerdy sins. And then you have those that are, like, you know, doing all these streams, doing all these shows, doing all these podcasts. And they're, you know, some of these groups and individuals are making money off it using a licensing. Like, if I made a Star Wars fan fiction and I tried making my own, like, uh, you know, stream, Twitch stream or otherwise, like, you know, distributed content and made money off that, Lucas is going to, not Lucas, but Disney's going to come after me. And people are like, oh, well, Disney's being an evil corporation. I'm like, no, they own the source material. They want to control how their material is being represented and used. So my overall view of this is that a lot of people, and I know I've seen some of the posts, not just on like some of the geek sites, but also like Dungeons and Dragons, Twin Cities, Facebook, and other social media sites, and everybody's up in arms. Oh, D and D, D and D, D and D, and I think that's part of it. Is is that D and D had that same problem? Is that all these like outlets that you know, podcast streams, and all this stuff 
it got ahead of what D&D can control, what Wizards of the Coast could control. And they went with it because it got the publicity. But now they're probably looking and it's like it's content, money, all this other stuff here. And they're still a business. They still have to protect their stuff. So this will be the unpopular take, but I don't care. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I I can kind of see both sides. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, anytime you base your business model on the goodwill of a big corporation, whether that's Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, Lucasfilm, you know, Warner Brothers, any big corporation out there, anytime you base your business model on, okay, we're going to do Dungeons & Dragons, you know, specifically, and use that and call it out, you know, you're kind of running the risk that eventually that big corporation is going to take notice and be like, you know, hey, you know, we were cool with this at the time, but now not so much. Um, I mean, some companies, they're just downright militant about it. Like, you don't ever fuck with Nintendo. Nintendo, if they find out that, oh, I did a YouTube thing with this, or, hey, I'm doing a Smash Brothers tournament in my basement, they will bust down your door and stop that. Yeah, wasn't there something not too long ago where they made some guy take down just, like, thousands of hours of content or something like that, like, earlier this year or late last year sometime? Yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, yeah, don't screw with Nintendo. There is, like, a period of time, like, there's some, like, groups, companies, organizations and stuff that... They will have people scouring, like, YouTube or other, like, resources and, like, oh, using our stuff? Give them a cease and desist. Like, up until Prince's death, you could not find his music on YouTube. It was impossible because Prince, one of his big things, he didn't want his music on streaming. Then he dies, like, eh, they just put it all on streaming. But that's that's just it right there. There are those that like to control what they've created to an extent, and... You can't get mad like, you know, some people like, well, they created it for the fans and I'm a fan. So like, yeah, you are, but you're also a customer and well, the customer's always right. Well, that's partially true. But if you like a company, a company's not going to stay a company if you do things that perhaps are detrimental to the company and the company ultimately has to protect what it is. And I know that sounds like the most sellout statement you could possibly say, but... We are sponsored by Hasbro now, actually, people. We, we forgot to tell you that. You shut up, man, because <laughs> I swear to God, if I get a cease and desist from Hasbro for just saying their name like three times, I... No. You cannot put this podcast up. Take this down. There's going to nope. admit the lost episode of Geek Roulette. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, I get why some people get mad about it, because people think, oh, these businesses are interfering with something I love. And I think with D&D, it's evolved... I wouldn't say beyond the company itself, but I think that it's created so many personal connections, so many memories, and it's been such a outlet for so many different people that there's the personalized side of it, but you still can't, you still can't ignore the fact that it's somebody else's product. It is something that they're selling to you and they can do this and they reacted and people like, well, they should have reacted faster. And you know what? Maybe I would say a Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro made a mistake because when this leak came, they they did post something on like D and D Beyond and you know posted and like, hey, you know what? We hear you, we understand. This was like in the third week of December, and people were like, oh, what a cop out statement and everything. It's a cop out statement, and it wasn't until like a week ago from now when we're recording this mid January that they came out with another statement like, all right, we heard what you're saying. But I'm sure part of it is this. They had all these plans and stuff, and now they're taking all the negative feedback. So now you're stuck in this situation. Do we protect our interest, or do we maintain our fan base? And everybody, take your victory if you want. You, they're maintaining the fan base by not changing things. Now everybody's like, oh, they still could have done it. Yeah, they could have. They didn't. And they, yeah, and they still might at some point. Take, take, your, take your victory for what it's worth and everything, but... You know, the game's going to go on regardless. And for everybody, like, well, I'm not going to play this game anymore. All right, don't play the game. But, man, it just seems like it seems like you're getting up in arms for maybe something that doesn't affect you. Like like the casual D&D player, it's not like you're making things. You're not making content. Right. And if you are making content with it, you're making content with other people's stuff. Yeah, and like you said, that you're, you're, you know, you're rolling the dice there. Ah, pun, pun, pun. Um yeah, I thought that was just kind of an interesting little bit there, and I could kind of see there were people people on both sides. You know, people were trying to downplay it, and other people who were, you know, get out the pitchforks and let's burn Wizards of the Coast to the ground, basically. I, I think ultimately just I, the one of the biggest things over the past few years with how divisive, not just this, but a lot of things are, is that 
it's weird where you get so many people like, oh man, they, everybody should play by the rules. And then like they play by the rules. And like, you can't tell us what to do. I mean, we're our own people. And then like, well, all right, we'll play by the rules. No, except when it's something they yeah. don't agree with. And we, you should play by the rules. And I feel that like the whole weird outrage factor of just people, I, I've been finding over the past year, people have been annoying me more. And yeah. I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, it's, you could say, oh, you're getting older, you're getting crankier. Mm, all right, that's fine. But I think that's just hard where people, it's easy, I think, to think too much with quick outrage and emotion versus actually thinking things through and sitting there. And- yeah, no, I think you, you, I think with the internet, it tends, people tend to go more with their, because they have an immediate outlet of, you know, I can just hop on my computer and go on the message board to your Facebook and I can just, you know, my first reaction is anger, which that's, you know, when something like this happens, that's obviously going to be your first response. And so that's what they do is they get on Facebook or they get on wherever. And that's what they do is they just spew it out there. And then everybody kind of agrees with them. And it doesn't necessarily change their mind at all. Whereas like before, maybe you'd hear something like this and you'd be like, oh, crap. And you'd kind of sit there and, you know, maybe sit with it for, you know, a couple of days or something like that before you had a chance. And Maybe by then you're like, well, you know, you'd maybe think a different way about it or see a couple different point of view on whatever it was, you know, and some of that initial, you know, outrage or whatever would kind of get diminished because, you know, you, you didn't have that immediate confirmation of, yeah, you should be pissed off. And it would just kind of feed feed into it, which is, I think, what we have going on now. I, I think it's okay to be creative with something like, or at least embrace ideas. I think you got to understand that ideas change. I think that's a tricky part. Like D and D, all right. I run two D and D D games, like one like one weekly and one like every other week with my kids. And I'll take liberties with the materials. You see all these books, John. I use them as guides, but I've created my own characters, scenarios, and things right there. Now that's fine, you know, because I'm doing it for fun. If I went and though made like try making these established characters and stuff, all right, that might be an issue right there because I'm taking some of the stuff there. I don't know. Let's not talk about angry people anymore. Let's talk about more fun stuff. Like fun stuff. Like clowns. Clowns. Clowns are strange. Mm-hmm. Good talk. Yeah, I don't think that's all we need to say about clowns. <laughs> There's like one guy out there who's a clown listening. He's like, no, we're much more complex than that. I've been waiting for this episode. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Good job. Keep clowning. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah, so illness honestly just way too busy like my my wife and i have been just tired like the other day it's like what do you want to do and i'm like absolutely nothing i don't want to do anything (laughs) it's like i we just sat there it's like you i could just sit in this bed face down in the bed for like about several hours and not do or engage anything and i would be happy yeah kids keep you busy i mean we've been busy with you know my daughter's got band stuff on the weekend that we have to drive all the way over to Rochester for, which I mean, I say all the way over. It's like, you know, half hour, 40 minutes. It's like we're driving. For People don't know where that is, John. It's in southeastern Minnesota, everybody. Nobody it's knows where, where that is, John. where the Mayo Clinic is. It's good stuff. Is that where Hellman's is? Maybe. It's, that's good stuff as well. Um, Honestly, when it comes to mayonnaise, just on a weird affront here, like, Miracle Whip's the devil, right? I think Miracle Whip is fine if you're making like maybe. All right, maybe, I'm gonna shut your mic off right maybe now. Maybe like a tuna nope. salad or something. No, maybe no. I personally never buy it. Like I don't have the weird like I, like I don't get like with Miracle Whip like I do with like crunchy and creamy peanut butter. Like you know clearly apparently you get with with Miracle Whip and mayo. Like I don't prefer mayo or Miracle Whip. I you know mayo all the way, but you know. So th- there are probably good uses for Miracle Whip. I personally don't ever use it though. I would say it's a way like you offer it to somebody and they say, yes, they'd want some. They're obviously an alien from another planet and <laughs> they fail the test and you kill them before they assimilate your brain. Like, like what exactly is Miracle Whip? Is it basically just like whipped mayo or something or what are they, what the hell do they, uh, it? it's urine, uh, wood ticks, uh, big brains. <laughs> uh, wait, hang on. My email just came through a cease and desist letter from the Miracle Whip people. Oh, craft is pissed off. <laughs> I will say this like for Christmas, I like to make on like certain holidays deviled eggs. Deviled eggs are good. And he, the story was, is like my wife's like going to the store and she's like, All right, I got to pick up some last thing to make these pies. So we need anything else from the store. I'm like, Nope, <laughs> because that's that's the dumbness of me. So I'm making, like, you know, getting ready to make uh, devil eggs. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have any mayonnaise. Damn it. 
So I'm like, and she comes back and like, okay, I'm back from the store. And this is like on like uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> when the store is a nightmare. Right. And I'm like looking at her and she's like, what? I'm like, I don't have any mayonnaise. Why didn't you check? I'm like, I thought I had some. I thought I did. Yeah, mayo does tend to be one of those things you just kind of assume you have at all times. So I went on the internet and you know what I did? I made my own mayonnaise. Nice. I like looked up, how do you make mayonnaise? Like, okay, take some white vinegar, you take some of this. And oddly enough, most of the ingredients you use to make mayonnaise are the same things you use to make deviled eggs. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like doubling down on deviled eggs at this point. But I sat there and I made it and it turned out perfectly fine. I'm like, well, there we go. That's a nice MacGyver moment right there. Should I ever be in a pinch where I need to make mayonnaise and I feel that... The 15, 20 minutes it takes to make the mayonnaise is worth the effort. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it worth making mayonnaise or is it, are you better off just spending $3 and buying a jar? Oh, that? you're better off spending $3. It was a great desperation play right there, but it was more about saving face versus like, I'm going to yeah. go to the store and then having to eat crow all day long yeah. because I didn't check about the mayonnaise. That was like there was one, somebody sent me a video of, uh, I porn. forget who it was. No, it was not porn. I mean, unless you're into like, that sort of thing, maybe. That Mayonnaise porn? I, I don't need to know about it. Um, but it was a guy who, I think one of his, he, does, he has a few different YouTube video series, I guess. I don't know the guy's name. You know, sorry, random celebrity, you know, moderately celebrity chef on YouTube. Um, but one of the things he does is, like, he makes his version of, like, popular foods. Well, I, don't, I don't know exactly what he does because this is literally the only one I've seen. But he made basically a homemade version of Spam. And so he's making it, you know, and it's, you know, all well and good. And he's, you know, but first of all, like, he's, he's, the stuff he's putting in there, like, one of the ingredients he puts in is prosciutto. And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, I work in the building where they make spam, and I guarantee you there is no prosciutto in actual spam. So, you know, and, and that aside, even if you took out the prosciutto and just used whatever, but he's making it and whatever, and it's just this whole process and I'm just like, you know, and at the end, he's like, you know, yeah, this homemade spam is pretty good. You know, like, I don't, you know, like, better than the original. I mean, not like, he wasn't begging on spam. He's like, I like spam. Spam's good. But he's like, you know, after you got done, he's like, yo, this homemade spam is pretty good. But I'm like, but all those ingredients you had to buy, the the hours it must have spent to, you know, because he, like, ran it through a grinder a couple times and added this other stuff. And then he put it in this, it was just this huge whole process and, you know, slow baked it in the oven and sliced it up i'm like yeah but the 12 hours you spent making that and the you know probably like 50 dollars worth of meat products you bought you know not to mention all the equipment you have to have for you know like a a sausage grinder and everything i'm like you can just go to the store and buy a four dollar can of spam like it's okay buddy you know like you know when it comes to like chefs or people i like it like one show i like watching is top chef and out of the chef shows i kind of like that one just because i feel that there's actual like creativity and pedigree. It's not like all the crap drama that you get, like when you watch like Gordon Ramsay and stuff. And I love it when they have a challenge where like, you need to like do a twist on this classic favorite. And it's like meatloaf. And you have somebody that sits there and like, ah, man, I know much about meatloaf, but I'm going to reinvent meatloaf. And it's like, Nope, stop right there. It's like, what are, what are they going to put in meatloaf right there? You know what? I think uh meatloaf can like, they think on like, uh, you know, they could use radishes and meatloaf. I'm like, oh, okay, you can just stop. And it's like, and what if like, in, like for a spice in the meatloaf, I use, I don't know, cinnamon. I'm like, ah, again, where are you going with this? But it's just weird. Cause you can tell like when somebody's like trying to get too creative for the sake of creativity and they just like go off the rails. I, I do feel like anytime you hear the word reinvent on like a cooking show, it's like, Oh, this is going to go south real quick. Like, you know, most right. things that people reinvent don't need being reinvented. Like, you know, meatloaf, for example, is perfectly fine on its own. You can tweak it here and there maybe a little bit. Like, maybe you're going to put some sausage in your you know, meatloaf instead of just straight ground beef. But that's not really tweaking it. That's it, just. I know, remember, like, one challenge. They were, like, at a school cafeteria, and they were having to make, like, a, like school lunch for kids. And some are like, hey, I'm going to make, like, hush puppies. And there's another one. I'm going to make this. Somebody's like, I think uh, you got to have healthy kid food. I'm like, oh, we know where this is going. Let's see. Like, I'm going to try, like, incorporating, like, a bunch of healthy green vegetables, and I'm going to find a way to make kids like them. Like, oh, this isn't going to go well here. And <laughs> Here comes the shit show. And it's like, all right, you know, let's see. I think kids love leeks, right? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, man. Then you're, like, watching the kids that are choking down. <laughs> it's good. God, help me. He has no soul. So speaking of things like spam and tweaking things and, like, cinnamon, maybe. So I sent I sent you a goodie box of some spam items, yeah. I don't know, a couple months ago. Among them being the, uh, the, the highly 
you know, popular for a little bit there, at least the Figgy Pudding. Oh, it band. sucked. <laughs> that sucked. So, so was that your your opinion, or everybody's in the house was like, it sucks? The general opinion is like, we can understand, like, eventually it's a, one of those chefs from, like, Top Chef, like, I'm going to reinvent Spam. We're going to make it into Figgy Pudding. And it's like, yeah. mm, I don't think that's going to work out for me, too like, well. I didn't. I didn't mind it. It was fine. Like we, you know, we opened up a can. We had it. My son hated it. He was, he'd be right there with you. Like I think he even like spit it out. He's like, "Yep, nope, not for me." It was okay. Not something I'm like, you know. Oh, I hope they bring this back every year, and I can get it every year. But like, you know, it was. I would basically like if I had like a guest over, like you want figgy putty spam, and they say yes, like, "Oh, you're an alien. <laughs> I exposed you. <laughs> yes. Here, take this and your mirror and your miracle whip." And yeah. Apparently, one of our superintendents at work, like they brought it in, like when it was out, and they brought it into like one of the meetings. And he took a bite and he spit it out, and he's like, "That tastes like licking a cow's asshole." Everybody was like, "How do you know what licking a cow's asshole tastes like?" And you know, so uh, south, yeah, southeast Minnesota. I yes. assume that's a common thing. It's what we do down there, you know. We gotta entertain ourselves somehow. I will say, like the spam assortments that you sent me, there was like a lot of variations of spicy spam, and I'm like, this is too many variations. There were, what, two of them, I think, that were spicy? There should have been two, I think. There was the, the, the jalapeno, spicy, yep. the spicy one. There was the the other hot sauce-flavored Spam. I don't know which one that the, was. The, what is it? The Tocino? Yeah. The Tocino shouldn't have been spicy. Yeah. That one I thought was more sweet than spicy. It had a weird... That one's kind of like a Filipino something. I guess it's popular over there. That one's not my favorite. I, I thought it almost had like a sweet potato taste, that one. like That one was like, eh, no. Um... And between the jalapeno and the hot, which did you prefer between the jalapeno and the hot and spicy? I'd say at least the the jalapeno because that offers some contrast, I feel, which helps out the overall flavor of things. I think when yeah. you have just a straight flavor on something, it can feel a little bland when you have sometimes something in there. And it wasn't overpowering where like there's a jalapeno in here. Like upstairs, I have like I was at a store and I saw like a pico de gallo, and I'm like, oh, let's get this pico. This looks good. Open it up and like that's a lot of onions in there. You could just smell it. And then I yeah. put it on some you know breakfast, and you know my wife she puts them on there, and she's like, there's a lot of onions in here. I'm like, mm, good, I'm not alone on this one. And <laughs> he tasted it, and guess what? There's a lot of onions in there. And yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. The, the jalapeno is definitely preferred to the hot and spicy. The hot and spicy's not bad, but it's just not not that great either. Our preferred spam flavor is the bacon one in our house. Well, yeah, the bacon the is the best, the but bacon spam is good. We we eat the one that's one third uh, calories or whatever the yeah light one. the sodium or the, yeah, low or, yeah the lighter yeah there's a couple different ones. we do yeah. that because if you were to read the canister of a spam and it's like oh it's seven thousand percent of my daily allowance of sodium hmm I should probably cut that down yeah yeah it's good stuff um, it's especially great like when you walk through where they make the spam they've got these big vats of the uncooked spam yeah. You should go check that out. If I, if I could bring my phone down on the floor on the floor for I would take a picture of it for you and send it to you, but they probably wouldn't like that. You so would much. get a cease and desist. Probably and, and no longer have a job either. Mm. Well don't I mean you have like certain levels of classification and confidentiality in most of the stuff you have, right? Yeah, I mean there's certainly I was looking at something I don't remember what department it was for. I'm in a different department now, by the way. I don't oh. know if I told you that. Good. Um You're the guy that test all the spam? Like, does this make you blind? <laughs> No, I am not. Um, I'm still not in the spam department, which I, you know, I don't know what I, you know, if that's a good thing or not, depending, I suppose. Um, no, I am now in ham boning, so I get, we get the big, the, the pig leg, and then we take it down to its component parts, and we make hams with them, so, or we don't make the hams, we just cut them, and then we send them to a different department, so, yes. I went from having 33 people in my department to having 95 people in my department, so it's, you know, a little bit of a difference there. Good times. Um... But yeah, there is. There was something I was looking at. I don't know, like last month, and on the top in big letters, you know, this is property of Hormel Foods Corporation. You know, make sure you know don't make copies. I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff that I could send off to. I don't even know who the hell would want it. Oscar Mayer, maybe. I don't know who our competitors are. Somebody. Um, the the people that make like Vienna it. sausages. Yeah, probably. Apparently, they used to have a Vienna sausage flavored spam as well. That was supposedly really good, but they don't make that one anymore. Um, they ran out of Viennans. Maybe, yeah. They're a limited, you know, limited supply of those. But, uh, yeah, spam, everybody. Spam. Go buy it. Keep me employed. Not that I need you people to keep me employed. There's plenty of people out there that buy spam. Go Hawaii. Go Philippines. Go the Korea, I think, is the other one. No, there's like three places there. It's huge. I know. You're the biographer of spam. Maybe. There's a museum down by us. Yes, I know. You should bring your kids down to it. Uh, No. 
If I'm going to drive two two hours anywhere, it's not going to be outside of the city to go see Spam. But it's free, and sometimes they have samples. You know what else is free? Uh, Sitting at home. Yeah, pretty much. Or I just go to like Como Park and not pay a donation and just sit there and watch the gorilla. Yeah, screw those guys. Damn gorillas. Mm-hmm. They don't need my money. It is rather interesting, like when I think about it. We have two zoos in Minnesota. We have the Minnesota Zoo and we have the Como Zoo. And Minnesota Zoo is more, I wouldn't say private, but like they're... Como Zoo like runs off of like subsidiaries yeah. and like some government subsidizing and other stuff. Where Donations the Minnesota Zoo, and, they have some government support, but like memberships and stuff like that. You know, it's weird though. Like the Como Zoo, despite the fact it's a smaller zoo and not not as pricey, and they have like giraffes and gorillas, and they don't have giraffes and gorillas at. Well, they did for a short period of time at the Minnesota Zoo, I think. But it's been a while, yeah. But generally, they don't have either of those. Uh, ironically enough, the giraffe disappeared when they had that new type of hamburger at their food court. <laughs> Only for a limited time, though. Mm-hmm. Only. Yeah. I don't know. I, out of those two, what do you prefer, the Minnesota or the Como Zoo? I mean, they've both. I think the Minnesota Zoo's got a bit more variety. Um, yeah, it's nice that it's indoor parts. That way, like, when maybe the weather's not so you know so good. Like, back when we had it, because we used to have a membership there when the kids were younger. We had, for, like, a good long while, we had a membership every year. Because it was a nice place to just take kids, and even when the weather was kind of crappy, there's a fair amount that you could still see inside and not have to worry about freezing your ass off or getting rained on or or whatever. So, I mean, I think all things being equal, I would say Minnesota Zoo, but the Como Zoo is, you know, still plenty good. Um, my daughter would say otherwise because she got lost at Como Zoo one time when my sister took her there and has apparently been traumatized by it. So, um, so there's that, but that's her. She's a kid. She's, you know, that's, you know, stupid kids. As we have said before on this podcast, she might have even been eight. I'm not sure. But she ended up in a trunk of a car. She did not. She mm. she found a kind. She went she went to somebody who she thought would be a safe adult because he had a stroller and a kid. So she feared this person's a parent. Except there was no th- kid in the stroller. <laughs> they're, they're not going to try and murder me until she saw. Oh no! It's just a sack of flour in that stroller. This guy's been waiting all day for some sucker kid like me. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, and he took her up to like the volunteers at the front desk and apparently she, she had, the lady at the desk had called my wife just as my sister was like walking up to the desk and, you know, was like crying because she thought she lost her only, you know, her only niece and what am I going to tell my brother that, you know, Hey, you know, your oldest child. Yeah. Well, you know, it's Alec now, so you don't have Brent anymore. Sorry. (laughs) Um, yeah, the Como Zoo is good. Minnesota Zoo. Probably, like I said, all things being equal, better. But do you remember back when the days when the Como Zoo was just like sad? Yeah, it was like last like, time I was there. Oh no, I'm talking like way back in the day. Like it used to be like these tiny little, like not even as big as this room that we're in. Like the the the, the it was probably maybe ten feet by maybe like a 10 foot cube, like outside area. And then inside was maybe like 20 feet long, but the same way across, it was just, it was, it was not, I have vague memories of that. Cause I was pretty young and I'm sure there's some pictures out there somewhere on the internet. If you were to look from it, Como zoo used to be, yeah, not a good place. It would, it would not fly by today's like Pete would be all over them. But I, I would say that it's still a, the scummy zoo just because you got the whole amusement park there and you got it's like yeah. one of those things like you know what we just can't get by and be in a zoo let's let's have an amusement park which are ran by teenagers which yeah. always ensures the best of safety I standards don't think i've ever actually in my the whole time i've lived out here been to the amusement park side of it like did you go to the mini uh, mini golf there the mini golf's okay i have not i don't think but i'm a mini golf enthusiast mini golf is a good time i prefer it so do you like the mini golf or it's more just like uh, you has to be skill based i don't want no random just hit it and hopefully it goes where you want it to okay yes yeah, so, so you prefer the ones where it's just like set up it's basically just a green and it goes there's maybe some hills and bumps and ridges and some corners i like golf like, mini golf that involves geometry where there's actual science involved like if you hit this at a 45 degree angle it'll ricochet here that's those are the ones there like you actually have a shot versus well i'm gonna hit it over this weird i'm gonna poorly maintained hill in in between this clown's legs and then something's gonna scoop it up on the other side i have to have the precision of a navy sniper in order to (laughs) get this ball to go between this really wobbly area through there and even if it does there's three holes it could come out of and (laughs) Who knows if it's going to deposit it by where you want to go? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go, I think I, I don't know. I can take both. I don't know. You don't really see a whole lot of the, the crazy ones. I think probably just because there's a lot to maintain there in most places that have mini golf, that's not really in the budget to maintain like, you know, a Ferris wheel that you hit the ball in and it goes around and at some point it drops your ball off and then it goes into a slide, which turns the clown's nose on and you know i don't know all what right the hell see that's that's what we call rube goldberg mini golf yes exactly that's pretty much it i i'll say this like i used to love when there was raceway to fun down in newport because that mini golf down yeah. there that was good mini golf actually i mean it eventually fell into a state of like disrepair but like in its height when it actually had the full-blown like go-karts and the mini golf two different courses that was actually a pretty decent place the mini golf i hate the most can can wonderland yeah, there that, is that's, no skill there whatsoever. That's, yeah, and that's definitely more in the latter where it's not quite as bad as like like there's not as much mechanical, but it's a very artsy. I I feel like it's one that like people should, if you're a mini golf fan you should do it once because it's kind of cool, but it's definitely more. So you're shaking your head like no, but, no. Um, I think it's kind of it's some cool stuff. It's fun to go see. You should probably do it once if you're here in the cities, but. But yeah, not some. But yeah, there is just a lot of just like this just, person made this to be artsy and not as an actual like golf. Like there was one I remember because we, we went there fairly shortly after it opened, and there was one I think it was like a frog or something whose tongue was you know you had to hit it up the t- but you had to be so freaking precise or navy roll, sniper and it would and it would roll back down. No, this wasn't even like precise like that. This was just like it wasn't well designed. And it was just impossible. To how, get how about the stupid angle. hole where basically it's like a tee ball with like the golf ball and you're trying to hit it in the baseball field. I don't remember that one. That might be a newer one. They may have took that one out because the way that ball ricocheted, I'm sure at least a couple kids got brained. (laughs) Their on-site physician, like, nope, no fractures. I do remember, like, one of the last ones, it was like you were hitting the ball through, like, an old, like, 70s or 80s, like, living room. Like, there was an old TV, like, with a stand, and you had to, like, well, I think I've got to go under the TV there, but I don't know what's on the other side or where, you know, like. They had, like, a whole bunch of random furniture. It's like, ah, you're a hole now. Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. It's. Like I said, I, I still think people. If you're a mini golf fan, you should go check it out because it's kind of cool, but but no. not like something you're gonna do no. every weekend or no. whatever. The only the second worst mini golf is the Moose Mountain at the Mall of America. That one's horrible. That one is pretty bad, and it t- and that one's always busy too. So you know, that's the thing that sucks is when you get stuck behind like slow mm-hmm. people, like the other. You know, there's like a group of six people in front of you. It's like, okay, we're done with this hole. Now I'm gonna wait 15 minutes for these people to finish up while they, you know. Yeah, that's no good. And that one's just, yeah, it's just boring. Mm-hmm. Not very good. It's, you, you know, know, this is probably boring. We've been going for an hour. Let's give the people a break. Damn, people. It's been an hour already. Folks. It's almost like we haven't done this for two and a half months. Right. You, We, we appreciate everything you've done listening to us. And we'll have another episode recorded soon as well in addition to this one. And, and then we will wait like two and a half months and do another couple. Right, because I'll end up in the trunk of a car after being hit by a bike. Yeah, quite possibly. Learned it. Run that one down to the ground. Folks, I'd like to thank you. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spragel. I am still the other host for now at least, John Lundquist. Thank you. Yes, everybody, have a good one.